Welcome back to episode 3 of Formula Pod, the Australian Grand Prix at Albert Park. Saying Perez is cheating on his wife with, again, with um, this time with Alonso's partner. Nothing is allowed to change when a red flag happens. And then they put in the notes at the start of the weekend that they will be enforcing it. Yeah, he can't go toe-to-toe with Alonso, even, even in his 40s. You pay six grand for a ticket, but... Where's this marked base come from? Is it the track? Is it... Uh, it was a pretty good race. A lot of red flags, pretty hectic, not a lot of strategy, but overall it was pretty entertaining to watch. Yeah, I mean, especially compared to the first two, that I was... I mean, there was some bits where it quieted down, but overall, uh, I was I was pretty glued to it. Yeah, they were progressively getting better, but Australia's always painful to wake up for. Six in the morning. Yeah, you've got to be committed. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure... Someone will point out how if you're in Australia, every other race is is at that time or something. But yeah, you know what? Most most F1 fans are European, so fuck the rest of them. Okay. <laughs> to our non-European listeners or any of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah, I fell asleep sort of near the end woke up a bit it was you know it gets boring during the red flag periods where you're just waiting for the drivers to go back out but uh, frankly i think you you missed the best part the um obviously we had we had the excitement at the start um but then that that final uh restart was it it's what i've been wanting to happen for a year whether that means it's a good idea or not it's probably another story but um yeah, I was excited to see it finally happen. Well, you were excited to see seven cars DNF, eight cars DNF. I mean, that was not my intention, but I can a uh, two, three lap sprint uh, is to me a pretty exciting concept. Yeah, but it just causes the drivers to not really care and just kind of go for it. And then they crash. Maybe you shouldn't, because I mean, all the ones that crashed, uh, like, you know, the 12th, they completely fucked up their race. But, you're uh, crashed, like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In theory, they should still want to get their car home because otherwise, you know. I mean, yeah, they're going to take maybe a wee bit more risk, but I think, um, I think it was slightly unlucky the way it ended up. Brown turn one and two. Yeah, and then obviously teams were arguing. They were like, "No, we won the result pre, pre safety car, pre red flag. It's not fair," you know. I mean. People complain about the teams complaining, but there's literally people whose job it is is just to find loopholes in the rules or, you know, get that other team penalties or whatever. Like they're gonna if the FI gave them give them an inch, they're gonna try and take a mile. Like I think it's just a part of the sport. Um, yeah, but and it's on the FIA's backs to stop that becoming the whole sport. Yeah, but it feels like they favour some teams more than others. I think um I think that's inevitable, though. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but you obviously want to look after your biggest players, the ones that bring the most to the sport, that then makes you the money, but... Oh, yeah, the, the FIA definitely gets blackmailed all the time, and we saw it with the the Concord Agreement, um, with Ferrari getting this massive payment just for being a historic team, which pretty much means they've threatened Wait, to leave the sport. Is that called the Concord Agreement? Yeah, it's the agreement between all the teams and the FIA that kind of governs Formula One. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I knew. I know they get a historical payout, but I didn't realize it was called the Concord Agreement. Well, the Concord Agreement covers a lot more as well. It covers like all the the teams' um, compensation and stuff, how much they get for each place in the championship. It covers a lot of stuff. It was just the agreement to keep the teams, to keep all those teams in the in the championship, effectively. Strange name. Yeah, maybe we need a wee fact check on on what the what the what's named after. But um, yeah, I think uh, the point is F one can can't exist without the teams there, and if the teams don't get their way, they'll effectively go on strike by threatening to leave. I mean, Red Bull. I believe Red Bull did it just last year over the the issues with their with their own power unit. No, I don't think it was with Coscap. I think it was with the uh, with Honda leaving. Um, might have been over the Edge. that they wanted to be. Yeah, the engine they wanted to be considered a new engine supplier for twenty twenty six and the engine regs change, um, which would give them I think extra spending or testing time i'm not quite sure what but it would give them a wee bit of an advantage um which again is not really fair because they have all of honda's um research and development they have the engine already there so they're a new team maybe a bit bit off but um yeah ferrari have been masters at it as well of pretty much just threatening to leave if the things don't go their way yeah so qualifying was pretty good um, it was nice to see the Mercedes fighting. Yeah, fighting I, for decent places. I mean, where is where's this mark base come from? Is it the track? Is it you know uh, they're good at heating up the tires? Is it that they've just found a bit more pace? Have they been hiding pace? You know, some people are saying they've been sandbagging. Who knows? No, definitely. Um, but the qualifying was a was a weird one because um, you'd see you know cars go out. Um, on a set of softs and they, they'd go the whole session on the same set of softs and they'd spend you know just those two or, you know they were just heating up the tyres more and more they'd keep doing green sectors you know after seven eight laps on the tyre when usually you know they'd go in change their you know change the tyres for every new lap and spend one lap heating up the tyres and then stick on a new set for a new fast lap yeah it's so. crazy they pretty much do what I do on F1 2022 <laughs> yeah <laughs> Get out of the pits and just stay on the same set of tires. I think that's laziness versus <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually getting getting quicker times. Um, but uh, I think it led you know it let us see some unexpected things. I mean, Albon was up there all. Obviously, the race didn't go as well for him, but he was up there all of qualifying. You know, purple. I think in the end he did get a purple sector two overall. Um, yeah, he got a purple sector. Yeah, I don't know if he kept it though, did he? I think he kept it to the end of qualifying. The um, his sector two was still the fastest time. That just shows how quick that that Williams is in a straight line. Yeah, um, but obviously that's mostly straight sector two. You know, like I know it's a down. You don't you don't get praised for being a good. And he's a good driver, but then you know he crashed because he was pushing too hard. He did, yeah, he did crash because he was pushing too hard. But that's because he's in. Let's be real, Williams have made some advances this year, but they're, you know, they're not a. They're not a top team, so you can hardly, you know, the accident he had in the race didn't look too, he was just pushing too hard. And in a chip box or car, you can't really blame him for that. Yeah, I suppose, but 
yeah, slight Latifi vibes. Yeah, red definitely. flag. I mean, uh, yeah, but Albon wasn't running at the back, trundle along, then nothing. You know what I mean? He was up. Don't know if he was in points places, but he was up in the in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Um, and he was driving well. He just obviously pushed it because it's in. You know, he's going into the right left. Uh, you know, kind of chicane almost. Um, and he just pushed it too hard. Looks like the rear tires lit up, spun him round. Um, and obviously the wall's right there on the left hand side. So who's going to whack into it? It looked like pretty heavy impact as well. Yeah, he took his whole front wing off. Um, we saw Hamilton literally. No, not Hamilton, sorry. We saw Russell just jump for stepping off the line. Um, and then slowly following that, we saw Hamilton Verstappen just outbraked himself, and Hamilton just dove up the inside of him. And of course, Verstappen then complains to the FIA like he does every single time someone drives better than him. I mean, so does every driver, though. To be fair, I mean they were both really, really good overtakes. Um, Russell again just got the better start. I mean, Verstappen starts the entire race where. He's not very good at them, is he? Yeah, no, they were they were nowhere near um, Mercedes or even, you know, versus Alonso or whatever. Russell got a great start, good move into turn one. Um, then Howland, who's a great, great dive um, down the inside. And then once those they had the two marks in front, they had the DRS so they could keep him keep him at bay. Yeah. Uh, but I think it showed, like, we saw a different side to Verstappen than we saw in 2021 or you know, earlier, because he was quite mature about it. He wasn't, you know, he knew he had the faster car. So I think that's why, he, you know, he wasn't going for ridiculous dives down the inside. He wasn't trying to be aggressive. He just, he knew he could, you know, he's thinking about the long game because, you know, he's the favourite for the championship. A second place, a third place, that's probably all he needs at this stage. Um, And he also thought that it's probably likely he'd get ahead and, by the end of the race, so he didn't. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't feel like he the door. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't going to take too many risks, uh, and I think that's not a Verstappen you would have seen a few years ago. Definitely not. Uh, then shortly after that, Stroll does his classic move, tagging someone's tire on the first corner, like we saw in the first race of the season. Yeah, it I wasn't mean, his fault. At... It wasn't his fault. Yeah, it wasn't. Nah. Racing um, incident, but it sounds like Clark's been in a way continuing his sort of bad luck. I don't know. I don't remember seeing this at Australia specifically before, but there was a lot of incidents that just looked like there just wasn't enough space on the track for how many cars were. You know, maybe it's because they're following closer or whatever, and, you know, the cars are a bit close. Cars are bigger. Yeah. Cars are bigger. Cars, yeah, they're too big, but... And, um, yeah, we just saw a lot of things where they're trying to go three abreast, four abreast, and they just don't all fit. And that's pretty much what happened here. Stroll's boxed in on the right. Leclerc's coming on the left. He had nowhere to go. Leclerc's not going to see him either. So there's not really much Leclerc could have done about it either. Um, yeah, and he just spins him backwards into the gravel on his beach. So I'm lucky for him. Um, I, st- I love gravel, though. I love that oh, yeah, you yeah. get punished. A bit, yeah, a bit of jeopardy. Um, oh, no, I hate... You know, if he could have just spun around again and kept on going or... You know, you, they can cut corners, so you've got this whole thing of, oh, will they have to give the place back, will they not? But put a thing of gravel there, so no one's going to cut the corner, are they? No one's going to, no. 
you know. Plus, with the base skill, you can get out the gravel. You can, but I mean, he went backwards and... Yeah, I know, but you flick that thing quickly into reverse, you know. Oh, I think... uh... I haven't I haven't seen it since this morning, so I'd need to look at it, but I don't even know if he got some air when he when he got clipped. So he... Oh yeah, no, he he couldn't save that. Uh no, so we saw um Bottas and a few others at the back pitting for hards, Perez I believe pit for hards as well. Um just showing how long these tires last in Australia, that they were just planning to go to the end. Um and you know, for the likes of Perez there was nothing to lose when he was sitting back because he didn't he he was struggling to get through the field today, Perez. I don't know what was. Yeah, I'm disappointed. After saying last week, I predicted him for a win. I mean, he did. You know, he did start making up those places towards the end of the race, but you know, even it took him what a good five, six laps to overtake Norris in a McLaren. I, yeah, and Norris's driving was impressive, but he's in a Red Bull with the DRS that they have. I mean, you saw him fly past Hamilton, you know. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Looking like he's going on, obviously he's not going double the speed, but it didn't far off look at um, And Perez can't, can't pass McLaren, who also didn't have DRS. Like, um, yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, he made, it, he made his way up, but I think it was... It was disappointing. I think he easily could have been... Yes, especially with two red flags, like it it closes the field right back up again for you to just DRS. After every start, you saw him almost uh, pushing himself back though because he'd get boxed in because they were they were so close together on the starts. Um, who knows if it's the new regs, them all being a bit closer together, or just Albert Park being a small track, but they were all so close and he seemed to get boxed in, pushed out, and he'd end up at the back again. Um. I mean, people have said this before about Perez's racecraft, but I think it was, it was on show a bit today. Yeah. Um, then obviously we had a few laps of racing. The Mercs managed to keep Verstappen behind, which I think was quite impressive. Um, obviously with that advantage of having the two cars in front of them. Um, then you had obviously Russell complaining on the radio about. Um, you know, I think so. I think we missed a bit of the conversation because what was shown on the TV was uh, Russell complaining that his teammate was attacking him. But I think what the whole conversation was that um, Mark had asked him to start conserving his tires, his fuel, um, and he was like, "Well, how the fuck am I meant to do that when I've got my teammate and a Red Bull behind me?" You know, yeah, I, I think the TV the made him look bad. Well, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna go for the drama, but. In actuality, I think he was just saying, "Look, there's no way I can start conserving when I'm when I'm under this much pressure." Definitely. Uh, then, obviously, saw we saw the Alvin crash, um, which again, look, I don't think it was it was a horrific mistake, but obviously, obviously ruined his race. Uh, George went into the pits, uh, which again would make sense because um, he gained so much time. Uh, obviously losing out on track position, but gaining... T- I don't know, eight lap old tires for losing I that much track position. And effectively, they probably could, is that they could have gone to the end of the race on those tires he put on. That's true. Um, and they also, Mark knew they had Hamilton on the other strategy. So, yeah, they, both yeah, they wanted to, they probably just wanted to split the strategy. 
uh, whether they would have done it the other way around or whether they would have taken to the fact that maybe only two marks would hold off the Red Bull to keep the DRS. And luckily enough, it turned into a red flag, uh, which I think raises a bit of the debate about... I saw a tweet um, today, which I thought was quite a good idea, is that, you know, maybe the order needs to reset to when the safety car was first called. If or the, or I flag. think I think the better scenario is you're just not allowed to change your tyres during a red flag situation. Car just stays the same. Yeah, that's true. Because then you can just pit like you would normally have to anyway. Just don't. Nothing is allowed to change when a red flag happens, and then it fixes everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's pretty. That's pretty fair. To be fair, um, I don't know if that those rules are in place to help people that have been a part of the incident trying to get back into the race. Um, yeah, it probably is, but it. But, but then, then should they, you know, if you've, if you've got been in a crash, you should, maybe shouldn't just get a free pass to get back into the... Yeah, exactly. And usually it's going to be back markers in the crash and then it affects the people at the front strategy more and then changes the outcome of the race. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, um, yeah, I think George just got really unlucky with that and obviously even more unlucky later in the race. Because, um, you know, looking back and saying George hadn't pit and then he hadn't DNF'd. I think there's a much better chance that those two, Mercedes, could stay in front of Verstappen because he had the pace, but with them having DRS, the two of them, maybe it would have, it would have changed the outcome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially when they're getting these better starts, you know, even with the the second restart and stuff. We had a wee while for the red flag, um, and then of his formation back, lap back to the grid, uh, there was this whole debate over Hamilton being too far back because he was. He was far more than 10 car lengths. Um, yeah, but you're allowed to do that in that scenario. Yeah, yeah, which wasn't, to be fair, a lot of very, you know, knowledgeable F1 journalists didn't know that either. They were thinking that he'd broken the rules there. Um, but obviously, he's not, he was allowed to do it. I mean, he's not going to... Like, Hamas knows what he's doing, I feel... Trusted professional, oh, trust Mercedes. Yeah, they know what they're doing. I mean, yeah, but it's this complicated rules at F one. To be fair, and um, obviously, they didn't know what he was doing. But um, I mean, Red Bull were complaining about it. They didn't, they didn't know about that rule, obviously, or they were just trying to find that advantage. Either or, yeah, they were just trying to find some made up rule. Yeah, but I mean, Hamilton got with the start, managed to head of Verstappen, um. And obviously along the, the longer straight, uh, which they changed a couple of years ago, got on the DRS and flew past him. Yeah, I felt Verstappen was maybe dummying him a wee bit. Because um, Hamilton got away, he was lost like three-tenths or something on Verstappen's time. And I think he might have like relaxed a wee bit then. And then Verstappen really pushed on the second lap without DRS. And so yeah. he managed to catch back up with him and stay in his one second. And then he just knew he could just breeze down the straight past him. I mean, we saw a lot of really good overtakes at the end of that straight this year. But, I mean, that Verstappen overtake was just... He was he was barely halfway down the straight before he was flew past him. Um, you know, it wasn't even... They weren't even near the braking zone. Uh, yeah, it's what, what I feel like on the motorway in my car. It doesn't, doesn't move at all. Just yeah, we Toyota. Flying past me. 
I think it just um, it just shows how powerful Red Bull made that that DRS work for them. They're already fast in a straight line, and with the DRS open, there's just no you know they'll eat any car up. But then in the speed trap, theta, Hamilton was last. He was the slowest car on track. Recorded well, because he never, track. yeah, he won't have because he didn't get a toll or DRS. But Verstappen was like fourth slowest. He was only like five kilometers an hour faster than Lewis's slowest Again, time. Again, uh, at the end of the race, he'll have been he'll be at the front at the end of the race when he's got the lower fuel load. Um, which is probably when you know the higher speed traps uh, are captured when they got the lower fuel load and. Um, other cars at that point will have a DRS or a tow and they'll they'll be able to hit the, the higher speeds. Yeah, it's just it just seemed when you overtook him on the straight he was just going like thirty kilometers faster than him, like just shoot. Yeah. I mean it was like you they weren't even you know, it wasn't in the braking zone or whatever. And I mean it's not a a ridiculously long straight. It's not like he got a really good exit compared to Hamilton. It was just soon as that DRS opened, he had, he had, you know, I would say 20 kilometers an hour extra. They say DRS is usually worth 10, but that, that looks more than 10. Um, so Russell, after that pit stop, he was, he fell back to about, I think he was sixth or seventh by the restart, managed to fight his way back up to fourth. Um, and then it, he's turned his car into a flamethrower. Yeah, whether he pushed too hard, well, he, you know, you can't say he was pushing too hard, but maybe that's what caused it. But um, yeah, just started smoking. The revs sounded all right, so I don't know if it was a, you know, internal combustion engine issue, but who knows? Maybe Mercedes will never tell us. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm lucky for him when he was running in in first for for you know the first good few laps at the start. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I don't think that was anything to do with what he did, I think. It was just an error. There was definitely fuel leaking somewhere, because otherwise it wouldn't have been spitting flames that much out of the exhaust. It's it's surprising as well, because we've seen, obviously Mercedes last year weren't weren't incredibly quick, but the last few years they've been very, very reliable. Um, yeah. Probably one of the first DNFs we um, caused by a reliability issue we've seen in a while. Yeah, Merck don't usually break. I think that was his first DNF with Mercedes in two years, right? Since the time he's joined, that was the first time yeah. he's ever DNF'd. Yeah, it will be. Um, Mr. Consistency. Unless, did he DNF at Silverstone when he, when he got I, pinched? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that's the statistic I read. Or, or it was probably DNF from a technical error, right? Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. So if he crashed, that's not really on Mercedes' reliability. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and then the race calmed down pretty much after that. Um, we saw, you know, Verstappen run away. Um, he gave like 10 seconds within, you know, five, 10 laps. Um, yeah, we, on. we also saw the, someone decided to slow down in like the blind corner section. And there was a massive pileup. Um I think oh, Zoom yeah. overtook yeah. like four or five people. Then Magnussen came flying and he had to just shoot straight through the gravel and grass. It was Yeah, that was yeah, that was during the formation lap. 
wasn't it? After yeah, before yeah, the yeah, restart. Before. Yeah, when Hamilton yeah. was too far behind. Yeah, during that safety car. They need to they need to stop this because we saw it in we we used to see it in qualifying a lot as well. This kind of game of chicken where they all bunch up looking, and it just is going to lead to people's races getting ruined for no reason. Um, because it was ridiculous, you know. Someone had to fly through the gravel. Like how there wasn't a crash there, I don't know, because there was a good yeah. eight, six, seven cars. Um, but it's crazy how much of a knock-on effect one one car slowing down slightly means the one behind them has to slow down even more than that, and then all of a sudden you've got a massive bunch up from just a small break in a corner. Yeah, like I don't exactly. think the first person who caused it even because they didn't get penalised for it, right? So no, no, but maybe that's something they need to introduce some kind of rule about dangerous driving because I mean. Dangerous driving on a restart, um, or out behind the safety car. I mean, you know, I could have just ruined three, four people's races there, um, just just because they they didn't kind of consider where they're where they're slowing down. I don't actually know who it was who it was that was in front, like that kind of caused the knock on effect. Yeah, so we had um, we talked about this earlier, but Perez was obviously making his way through the field pretty slowly for for the rocket ship he's got. Um, and Norris, uh, which, you know, the McLaren might have found a bit of pace, but he was doing he was doing really well up in about 8th, 7th or 8th at this point. Uh, and he just could not get past him. I and mean, Norris's defending was on point, um, which is a bit ironic considering, you know, Paris is defending in Abu Dhabi 2021. But, um, yeah. Now, uh, Perez, with all his DRS and, you know, how fast that Red Bull is, just could not get past him for lap after lap after lap. Um, which is, you know, disappointing because um, Perez is really, really coming to his own in that Red Bull team. Uh, then we saw a good battle between uh, Norris and Hulkenberg. Um, just jockeying for position. Norris providing all the action. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Did we, did we talk about uh, Sainz's overtake? No, you know, we didn't actually. We saw him yeah. do a, a real, a really nice dummy on Gasly, sort of. Again, this is going back to the mirror talk, how he, you basically can't see anything. So Gasly checked his mirrors and Sainz looks like he's coming on the left and he just dives down the right side. Of yeah, that was, we saw so many overtakes on that corner. Um, which is not usually, I guess you wouldn't usually see that many overtakes in Australia, you know, before the regs changes, but it was... We saw that was such a good overtake. Hamilton's and Sainz were both incredible overtakes on that corner. Um, Sainz really, especially after held far down the field, the Ferrari were the Ferraris were this weekend. Yeah, he really, he really put on a bit of a show. And for the, people, for the people at home who don't know, why is racing better in Albert Park now with the regulation changes? So, uh. The regulation changes were oh, people talk about wanting to make the cars uh, closer together. You know the performance, which is not true. Uh, it's not what they're aiming for at all. What they were aiming for is for the cars to produce less um, dirty air coming out the back of them. So all the wee aerodynamic bits, the front wing, the rear wings, these all produce turbulent air coming out the back of the car, which affects the downforce of the car behind. So effectively, what that means is before you would really struggle um, to follow a car closely 
because it, you you would just go too slow effectively because all your you know you could yeah, you'd, get you'd the down down going for a corner and everything okay. so they simplified the front wing and the rear wing and lots of clever aerodynamic bits which means cars can now follow each other through corners much more closely without losing much performance um, and we've really you know over the last two years we've seen I would say it's been a it's been a obviously people are complaining that the Red Bulls are dominant but I think they have achieved the goal of the regulation change because cars can follow closely now and we're seeing much better overtaking battles. Yeah, definitely. A lot more overtaking, a lot more interesting overtaking where people actually manage to gain the position back and they're fighting between their kind of jostling for position and then ultimately the faster car ends up on top. But it's more entertaining. Yeah, 100%. Less just DRS passes. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's, you know, people have even talked about do we, do we reduce the effect DRS has? Do we get rid of DRS entirely? And well, I don't think we're quite ready for that. It's definitely a step in the right direction of just pure, pure racing. Yeah, or maybe you just get like during the whole race, um, you get five minutes of DRS. So every time you open it, it counts down. So you yeah, have to use your, you have to use your five minutes. Um, wisely basically yeah that would stop the you know kind of drs trains that we get some tracks yeah sort of like how the formula e but i kind of hate the formula formula e but the way that they can drive on the outside of the track and get a speed boost essentially for two minutes yeah similar to that exactly i mean formula e i think um it goes for the kind of gimmicky things doesn't it um yeah, it's kind of like Which, you know, might be a good thing, might be a bad thing, but that's what that's what it's going for so far before but I think it'll mould into, you know, more pure racing as it evolves. Yeah. Have you seen the Will and E's like now a Formula E like ambassador for DHL? Yeah, yeah. So that I mean they're getting they're you know, they're spending a bunch on market and like surely Formula E can't be can't be profitable at this point. Yeah, but really Will and E uh, well, you know, that's how I first started watching Will and he was, um, said in a Q&A that he wanted to be, that he wanted to be, a to work in F1 and engineering. Well, he was still studying at uni, studying automotive engineering, and that's, that's why I ended up watching him. Completely underrelated to the content he posted, but. Yeah. I think that's also partly why Lando, even though he's in a, in a contract with a not so a not so good team at the moment and a pretty bad car he's really happy still because well one he's like what 25 ish yeah 24 getting paid getting paid millions famous as anything and he's got his own like youtube channel and stuff you see him collaborating with all the youtubers i think he's going to become close to sort of hamilton's level of fame the way that Hamilton has friends out with Formula One and sort of doing different stuff other than Formula One. I think Norris is also very good at sort of diversifying himself. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, and I think that's why he is one of the most supported and likeable drivers. Um, obviously he had his year in, in 2021 where he was get, picking up these podiums and things, but for the last two years he's you know he's been trundling around mostly at the back, apart from a few standout performances. Um, and obviously there's the benefit of being British, but he is just a likeable guy. He's very, you know, there's lots of content you can see him in, him being genuine. You know, it's not media 
opinions yeah. that Pierre says. You know, it's his own, it's his own thing. So, um, would you, yeah, no, he's doing well. Like I enjoy watching his um, go karting videos where it's sort of surreal seeing a F one driver in a go kart on a go kart track racing against YouTubers. You see. It's quite yeah, strange. I think it's surreal seeing them be so genuine anyway. Like if we go back to when to when we started watching F one, like you'd see drivers Yeah, pretty uh, much they well, were you could... only showing on Sky Sports and then yeah. some media, you know, ads and things. Like that's the only chance. Essentially F one was just just at the weekend and that was it. It was just the during yeah. the race, during qualifying, that's the only time you'd ever get any news about it. Yeah. And it was all through the lens of you know, the official channels. You know, it was Sky Sports. Yeah, was, not very personal. The media. There was nothing personal. There was nothing... Yeah, you know, I mean, they're... They're hardly the most mature bunch. They're all, like, young 20s. They're... You just wouldn't... You wouldn't get to see any of that. It'd almost be hidden away. It was quite... Uh, what's the word for it? Corporate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was very corporate. Uh, so then we saw Kevin Magnuson uh, hit the wall. Uh, it almost looked like um, the sun got in his eyes or something. He just sort of veered into it. Uh, <laughs> no, it looked like the, all the like collages, like the clips you see of like this is what a real driver does round Monaco, and then you see like Kimi Raikkonen like pressing the barrier in with his tire, but this time his yeah. tire just exploded. Well, yeah, pretty much. It just it completely whacked off and cracked his suspension and everything um which obviously sent out the safety car um and then uh, the unnecessary red flag unnecessary but exciting i was so excited when the red flag came out because this is what i've been wanting to there's been so many opportunities over the last couple of years where races are ending under a safety car and i'm like could we not just do a red flag and have a you know, a few laps, kind of a sprint to the end. Um, and you know what? It delivered on the excitement, whether it was... No, fair. Alex, no. It was exciting. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't I mean, like it because, like, the, oh, the whole corruption with 2021, like... But that, a red flag would have solved the, the Abu Dhabi 2021 because then Hamlin and Verstappen would have been on the same tyres and could, could have had a sprint to the end. Yeah, but I, I actually guarantee you that if that happened, they both would have crashed into each other. How exciting would that have been? Would, would they have then drawn the championship? Uh, no, I believe for staff. Oh, it, go, it goes so, off by wins. Then, yeah. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Because that's depending happened. on whether you know one of them might have made it round after the crash or whatever. Who knows? Like, um, it's a sprint finish. You have to get out of the car and run. If. <laughs> I love the old videos of F1 where they're like, the car's broken down on the start finish line and they just get out around the back and push it or something. Like, Yeah, or when they, you know, they no way they'd be allowed to do that now. Jump on one of their friends' cars and just get a lift. Yeah, you, oh, you, oh, the amount of shit the FIA would kick up for that now. Yeah, Seb, that. Seb did it pretty recently though, did he not? Uh, yeah, it was only a few years ago, but I'm sure it was the last race of the year, and I'm sure the FIA did give him a fine or something for it. Yeah, and his, like, scooter antics. On the yeah, and he got in trouble for the scooter as well. I mean, the FIA's banned the teams celebrating on the pit wall at the end of a race as well, like, 
Yeah, but no, but you, I think that's fair enough. I mean, maybe, but it's it's almost no, but, okay. The ones like crawling over the top on the fence is fine, but then there's the ones that are like are like one slip up away from falling onto the track and getting hit. You know, in the gaps in the yeah, fence, yeah. people leaning out there. I think I mean that's it's just been a part of F one for like decades and decades. I thought it was only the Australian Grand Prix they were doing it anyway. No, I believe it's uh well. Possibly, but I believe it's been a rule for a while that you're not technically meant to do it, but it wasn't enforced. And then they put in the notes at the start of the weekend that they will be enforcing it. So I guess we'll see if it's maybe just a thing with the Australian Grand Prix, maybe something to do with the barriers there or the width of the track. Um, but again, the cars kind of go down the left-hand side of the track, so they're not that near the pit wall. But... Yeah, but not at the end of the race because they drive next to their team. Well, true, yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see what happens with that rule. Um, but yeah, obviously, red flag came out, um, and the FIA decided to uh, stand and start. Uh, so, stand and start on the grids. Um, Hamilton gets quite a good start, but Verstappen stays ahead going into the first corner. Uh, then we see uh, Alonso in third gets tagged by signs from behind. Uh, we see the two Alpines uh, crash. We see, um, what else do we see? We see Perez get boxed out. He kind of gets pushed to the back. Sargent goes off uh, into the into the gravel. Uh, the McLarens end up quite high in the points because of all the chaos. Like it, I mean, what did we end up with? Like seven, six, seven cars. Eight, eight DNFs. Some kind of eight DNFs uh, just from that one instant. Um. So obviously didn't work out quite how I had expected um, after being quite excited for it initially. And it's not the most fair thing and it's maybe not something that we should do every time because I hate the NFs is not the greatest thing for the sport. But um, yeah, I don't see why they all went decided to go so mental. Um, AMAC was ended up in fourth, right, at some point and then... No, it was Hulkenberg. It was Hulkenberg, oh, Hulkenberg. fourth. Hulkenberg has the the start for by far the most uh, starts without a podium. Um, if the result had been kept uh, podium. after the restart, he would have had his first podium. But obviously not. They decided against it, which was, uh, I think, fair. Um, but for, they decided against it, but decided to, because uh, obviously this was lap 57, out of 58 laps so they decided what they'd do is the last lap would be effectively the formation lap um around the grid which meant obviously the two alpines which were completely wrecked and couldn't start under their own steam would then fall back which i think yeah it's unlucky for them but then you can't really have cars that are crippled driving around yeah you can't really they just end the race for no reason. It's not, it's not really unlucky yeah. for them, just don't crash. I mean, if you look at the incident, especially with the amount of chaos that was going on around them, it's not the most um, most pathetic accident in the world. Like, Gasly didn't see him. You know, he'd just almost been in another incident and then just turned into him, effectively. Crashly. Crashly didn't see him. Oh, I mean, to be fair, I think if he hadn't been his teammate, he would have um, he would have got a penalty for that, and he would have been he would have got a race ban. Yeah, so he's, he's probably think... quite lucky that that was Ocon. 
I saw a meme about like the two cars sitting one behind each other, both missing their front wings. Yeah. In the barriers about the the French collectively deciding to strike. <laughs> yeah, this I think Yeah. It was it's always a thing that I've suggested whenever we have these like controversial safety car moments. And um Yeah, because of the way that all ended up, I've maybe been been proved wrong with that because that was don't get me wrong it was so exciting but it was uh it was chaos so i don't think it's yeah it, it, it's, it's probably it's, not yeah it's exciting i mean crashes are exciting as well but yeah crashes are exciting but even just the the lead up to it and the fact that you know can hamilton get ahead for this one lap or you know alonso or you know what mix-up are we going to see here but um yeah, for the for the kind of fairness of the sport, um, I don't think uh, I don't think the kind of safety, yeah, the red flag and stand and start restart is maybe, um, is yeah, it's maybe not wise to use that much more than they already do. Yeah, so when when everyone went over the line, we saw Alonso take his hundred first podium. In P3, not P1. And it wasn't a win. Yeah. No. Hamilton, Hamilton has now been on the podium in 17 consecutive seasons. And Verstappen tied podiums with Senna. So they're both now on 80. So, yes. I mean, that's also Alonso being, being on the podium three times in a row. Third place three times in a row. I know, which is quite... Um impressive especially when you look at you know the last eight years of Alonso's career I know when are, when are we going to start calling him Mr. Consistency there last 10 years of his career yeah I mean he he's he's you know he's pushing to the, the limit of that car yeah that's just the um, difference between I guess someone expected to do Alan Russell I mean yeah yeah look Alonso has had this talent for years and I think you know, everyone always knew it, but he was he was a background thought in the cars he was, which, you know, if you saw our last, well, the first pod, you, you'll know my opinion on that, is that it's his fault that he's been in shit boxes for the last 10 years. Um, but his, ta- his talent's undeniable, and I think he's proved that again when he's he's back in a car that um, can fight at the front, is that he still is, you know, not, you know, who knows if he's on the level of Verstappen and Hamilton, but he's, he's not miles away. Cool. Um, obviously, we also saw the signs penalty at the end. All right. um, I, didn't, I didn't see this, so why did he get a penalty? He took out Alonso on the restart. Um, oh, yeah, actually, I did see But that. then there's that whole kind of weird thing of... Oh, yeah, so he, he started spun him and then they, they spun him and then they all took their grid positions again, except from the ones that crashed out, a.k.a. Yeah. The French boys. So because they crashed out, then is it fair that he gets the penalty for the restart? Is it not fair he gets the penalty oh, yeah. the restart then didn't count? But shouldn't get a penalty for something that doesn't count. That yeah, wasn't uh, even bracing. Well, I mean, would you get a penalty like if you took someone out in the formation lap normally? So if you would, then yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the f- formation lap he took it out. It was it was the restart. It was just that the restart... So the restart was voided because they hadn't reached the first sector. So there's no reference point to restart. Um, 
So obviously, so the restart yes, happened, all those cars went out, and it was red flagged again. And because the cars hadn't gone the, through the end of the first sector, there was no reference point to decide the grid from. So the grid was then put back to the last reference point, which was just the, the start, the start, the restart. Ah, okay, but then some can take part, yeah. Yeah, so some then couldn't take part. Um, and then after that red flag, uh, you know, with the restart, with the, the restart order, uh, they just did a lap around the safety car effectively as a formation lap. Um, and then all crossed the line. But you could see them all trying to bunch up because they all needed to be in five seconds with signs, obviously, to, to get the penalty, which they all were. So I think they had 12 finishers in the end. Um, and signed in a blast out of them um, with his penalty, which is a bit fair because it was effectively, I mean, it wasn't a disqualification, but, it you know, a, a five-second penalty when yeah. you're just going to have a formation lap to the end of the race. I mean, that meant he was sent to the back yeah, um, with no, you know, opportunity to do anything about it, which was maybe a wee bit unlucky, but... Um, Another good day to be a Ferrari fan. Yeah, it was uh, this one. You, you wouldn't necessarily say it was their fault, uh, apart from obviously that we mistake from, from Carlos and um, in tagging Alonso. But again, with the chaos of the restart, it wasn't a huge mistake. But uh, yeah, both out the points. Did you see the photo of Verstappen in his grid box as well? Yeah, people are complaining about that all over Twitter. But I mean, I think there is as much as we say there's special treatment. There isn't special treatment and. If he really was out, I'm sure he definitely would have got the penalty for it, considering the last couple of races. So, yeah, I think um, when I first saw the photo, which was um, just after the restart, so I was kind of saying, you know, maybe they'll still come out saying a penalty or whatever. I think it was like he clearly didn't break the rules; otherwise, the FI would have broken out. Like his wheel was still on the white line, whatever. And normally, I would have said oh yeah, why would that matter? But I think how strict they were with Ocon and Alonso in the last two races, um, it does make, not that this was a decision because he didn't break the rules, but it's a bit hypocritical because realistically Verstappen gained far more of an advantage there by that extra than Alonso you know, half a metre than Alonso did or Ocon did. And I mean, it it didn't, you know, he, ruin Alonso's looked, race, but it ruined Ocon's yeah. race. It looked awkward, though. Like, he didn't... Like, it obviously didn't even work for him either because George got the jump on him, but... No, so this was... I believe this was the last restart. Oh, was it? So, again, wouldn't it matter because the order reset, but let's say the order hadn't reset and Halmerton had got ahead of him because he'd been further back in the grid box then. But I think, yeah, it, it didn't matter in the end because of the... They reset the the order back to the restart. Um, Again, he didn't really gain an advantage from it. I think it, to be honest, the decisions with both Alonso and Ocon were, were frankly ridiculous in the first place, and I don't uh, think uh, any of them should have been penalties. And even if he did gain an advantage, I mean, if he was still in the lines, then it's fine. I mean, every other driver can push to that edge as much as they want, but obviously, if you go over it, he was playing with fire there. You could see him. He rolled up to it and then tapped on a little bit more and rolled a little bit more further forward. It looked like I know it's really yeah he's really trying to get to the edge of that box and get as much of a 
advantage he could to try. And possibly just because of how much he was struggling um, with the starts, the whole race, like the everyone seemed to be just getting having those better reaction times, getting off the line quicker than him. Um, and obviously Red Bull maybe had a wee bit of an issue, you know, warming up their tires, and that could have that could have added to it, and maybe you know the Mercedes, which is weird because the Mercedes were that was their big problem last year was getting everything in a you know at a good working window. Um, but today they should they seem to be the quickest to to be able to set up their tires. Yeah, just like a side note, I I was scrolling on um, TikTok or Reels or something. And I saw there's this girl that basically was like, yeah, I was just in KFC in Melbourne and she just bumped into this guy. And this guy asked her if she was going to the F1 and she was like, no, I wish. And he literally just turned around and basically gave her a Red Bull guest pass. So she was literally yeah. in the paddock. And I was like, must be nice. Like, as <laughs> I thought you were about to say, and it turns out he's Max Verstappen. No, no, it was just, just a random like Red Bull employee basically ah uh, that's pretty privileged that's what it is but i'm well i don't know you, you don't know what they look like but i don't know i guess <laughs> it's just i guess it was just pretty lucky i mean it's a pretty cool story that you yeah. could just be in kfc in the next moment you're paddock pass in the paddock like that's crazy like i think i think what's mental is that's probably what the majority of people need to happen to go to an f1 race now with a state of you know, the explosion in popularity, how expensive ticket prices are going. Yeah, how much even is a paddock pass? Like 10,000, 10, 5,000? I, I don't know an exact amount, but I know it's it's out of reach for most people. I'm pretty sure you have to be invited as well. You can't just even buy it. I think there's different, different levels. Um... So I'm sure you see people who have paid for it, they can walk around the paddock, but then obviously you can be invited into like a team's garage or invited into their hospitality. Um, so I think they might be two two separate things. I've just looked it up and for the Belgian Grand Prix paddock paddock club for the full weekend is six thousand euros. Fuck. I mean that's just I mean, look, that's not a general admission ticket or whatever, so... Yeah, but I mean, if you if you want a general admission ticket, you need to buy it, like, three years in advance now, so the cheapest yeah. ticket still available for Belgium is €3,000, so... That's... Yeah. Yeah, it's just not what it used to be. Um, and that's because of, you know, there's pros and cons. It's just definitely. popularity, isn't popularity. it? Yeah. And look... Uh, racetracks are huge, huge stadiums. Maybe we'll see, you know, racetracks start to catch up with, you know, better facilities and more grandstands, etc. Um, you know, but because this explosion in popularity is, uh, you know, it's happened since twenty twenty one. It's not, it's not been a long time building up. So maybe, maybe they just need a few years to kind of adjust. Um, and then we'll see. Ticket prices start to fall. Who knows? Yeah, Maybe so it will just become unattainable. Where's where the itinerary is? So it opens at eleven fifteen, and then there's a for some randomly that's just a Lando Norris interview at twelve forty. <laughs> um, there's then a tra- <laughs> there's a track tour at three fifty, but that's subject to availability. So what? Like you pay six grand for a ticket, but 
you know. Yeah, it might might. Sorry, it's filled up. You don't get to do it. Um, yeah. The drivers parade at four. Then you can walk the pit lane at four fifteen. Uh, Mika Hakkinen interview at five. National anthem at five forty-five. Then the Grand Prix at six, and then it closes at nine. I mean, it sounds good, but you, it would three be and a half grand, grand. You said no, six grand. Oh, six. Oh, yes. Yeah. I I'm really curious how much that would have been four or five years ago. Yeah, I I chose Belgium, so I think that'll be sort of like middle middle of the range. Sort of, it's not Monaco. I'm almost sorry, the Monaco one's like crazy expensive. I'm sure Monaco uh, last year was actually one of the cheapest races to go to, weirdly. Really? Yeah, I don't... Maybe someone could tell me exactly why that is, but I have, have no idea, but I'm sure it's, it's still one of the cheapest races to go to. Maybe it's just because the amount of, you know, people that are maybe in hotels, in the marina, you know, there's a lot of places you can watch from general yeah so you know i you know i've been i've been to monaco so not not to the race but when i visited i visited the weekend before the grand prix last year and it was a historical race the one where leclerc crashed uh what's his nicky lauda's ferrari classic ferrari so it was that so i was there on the thursday and that race was taking place at the weekend so the track was all set up but they hadn't closed everything off yet, so I got to walk the whole track, and it was honestly like such a surreal experience, and and it was totally free because obviously it's just open to the public. Yeah. But the whole track was set up. The straight along the front, uh, along the harbour, was closed to traffic, but then pedestrians could walk along. Um, and then I came back later, I think, on the Friday or the Saturday, and it was completely different. To be fair, they'd like boarded off a lot of stuff, so you couldn't see from the pavement. Yeah. But obviously, they're not going to close the casino, so you can still, uh, you can be like, there are security, but you just be like, I'm going to the casino. So we went into the casino, so they let you through, and then, you know, the sky bridges are still blocked off, but the casino's in the middle of the track, and you get a pretty good view, so. From the casino steps, you can see them just racing past because they've got no blocking there. Right. And the casino gardens, they've got they've got fences up with sort of like a green cover, but there's gaps in between the covers, so you can see them coming down to the Fairmont hairpin. And also, yeah. here it's all you could hear all over Monaco was the the what the V8 engines or whatever they are in the classic cars. It was re- like it was crazy. It was really loud and honestly like. It was a really good experience, like a pretty good F1 experience, in my opinion. You got to walk the whole track, then got to see classic Formula One cars. Got to walk through the pit lane and see all the classic Formula One cars being worked on. Um, yeah. I actually got to have dinner next to the track, and I you just saw the trucks pull up, and they were just offloading the cars right in front of me. Like as yeah. I was having dinner, you could literally see them offloading and paying what however much a ticket is for monaco you just wouldn't i feel like you wouldn't get the same experience honestly uh as you would when it's technically they've got it set up for racing but it's not close to the public yet i got yeah a really good experience i'd like recommend going before yeah. the races if you don't want to spend a bunch of money basically yeah i think that's what people start to do normal people will not be able to get anything more than a general mission ticket to a race um and 
frankly, those general admission tickets from the sense of things, you know, when they've got this many people are going, are not giving you that great an experience anymore. Yeah. Um, so definitely people are going to be going to things like the the um, the historic Grumpy in Monaco. I'd love to go to uh, Goodwood Festival. Uh, yeah, yeah. Festival of Speed at some point. Like, these are possibly the, the more attainable things now. Yeah, for sure. So, um, next, next up next week, Azerbaijan, Baku. Um, another one, you know, tight wall. Street circuit. Yeah, like this, but actually quite a good street circuit for overtaking in some places. Uh, got that long straight, so might benefit the the um, the Red Bulls. Uh, but again, you know, safety cars, likely everything's going to... Obviously, we've got the four-week gap, so we've got a wee while until until that. But um, I think it could throw up some surprises. Yeah, um, I think we might try and do a podcast in between that gap, so a couple of weeks from now. So yeah. just if there's any... It'll be a shorter one, any updates, any news. Guess we'll but, just have to see what comes out. Yeah, on in Baku, when driving it on the F1 game, I really, really struggled to get the car through that very tight section with the buildings on either side. I always end up hitting one of the barriers, so, you know. It's well done. It's a good, you know, it's like Monaco that's got the good technical challenge, but you've also got good overtaking opportunities. Um, yeah. For, it's a street, honestly, for a new street circuit, is, you know, by far and away the best. Um Right, so um, yeah, what's your top three then? Um, I don't know. I feel like we keep, I keep trying to be bold, and then it just makes me look dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so, I might go for a more. I'm I'm gonna go for Stapp and Paris Hamilton. Um, I'm gonna go with theory that uh, Paris is still gonna be top of the street circuits. I'm gonna say, uh, Paris. Verstappen. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Hamilton for third as well. So this might be seen as a bit dark, but who do you think could be the first to DNF in Baku? Um, I think it'll be one of the drivers that's lost a bit of confidence recently. So, I mean, Gasly, Ocon, um, you know, maybe Clare. Right, but like, if you had to bet, uh, bet man, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm Ocon, good for Ocon. And how do you think he's gonna hit the barrier? Do you think he's gonna have a hustle with another car? Oh, it's Baku. Probably, I could see Ocon. He'll probably be up in the midfield, so I could see him. Uh, could see him getting whacked uh, around turn one. Either, you know, being on the inside or the outside and getting hit into the wall. Hmm. What about you? Uh, I'm probably going to go for Stroll. I feel like he's going to get tangled up with somebody in the tight street, so... Yeah. Be unlucky for him, because that car's probably got the pace, place to get him another podium, or... Yeah, he's been really unlucky. Six on points. I mean, he's been pretty unlucky, but he's also just proven that he's not... Top tier. Yeah, he can't go toe-to-toe with Alonso, even 
even in his 40s. Okay, one last thing. I want you to predict the first lap of the race and we're going to see next week how close you get to that prediction. Oh, but uh, you put me on the spot like this. I just know I'm going to say the opposite of what happens. So just wait for me to jinx it. But um, uh, depends how they line up from qualifying. But I think we'll see the Red Bulls near the front, especially with that long straight and the the straight line speed they've got. I think they'll uh, they'll be they'll be you they'll know, qualify pretty, well. pretty far up. Yeah. Um, I think down in turn one we might see. Um, Wait, you see the marks or the Aston Martins uh, go for a bit of a lunge, try something. I think, you know, they seem to, especially this week we saw, they got it so right with the stars. Um, and, you know, that's the place where maybe a Red Bull don't have the advantage, especially if we have the same thing uh, happen with the, the kind of temperature and the tyres again. Um, I think there's, you know, there's definitely going to be a, a car out by turn one, I'd say. Um, just that that corner. I don't know if you see the photo. Um, so you're saying Ocon then? Ocon. Yeah, I said Ocon for uh, Ocon, Ocon uh, for for first DNF. I think it's just going to be too many cars trying to go through too small space into turn one. There's a great photo um, of uh, turn one uh, when it's not all set up for the F1, when it's a normal road and it's just like a twelve lane highway going into a three-lane road and that's effectively what happens in the F1 too they just cars get squeezed uh, and I think that's what's going to happen um, I think if the Red Bulls get away with turn from turn one and two I think it's pretty, pretty plain sailing for them after that once they get onto that because um, obviously the big overtaking opportunity is that is that straight uh, um, and the Red Bulls just have all the straight line speed so if um if they manage to get away one and two in the first, you know, after the first two, three corners, I think I think that's them sailing away for the rest of the race. Fair enough. We'll see how true it becomes. Yeah. So I think that wraps things up. Um, yeah, just one last thing. I've just saw, seen on Instagram, Fernando's posted this sort of dad-like selfie in the cool-down room. Where Hamlin's not even looking at the phone. Verstappen just looks surprised, like, what are you doing with a microphone in his hand? And he's put this weird uh, bunny rabbit emoji coming out of a black hole and saying hi. And he just posted that to his Instagram story. And then the next one is him just announcing his breakup with his girlfriend slash wife. So, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he is a dad. Like, um... Yeah, it's all... I I just would never have expected that from Perez, but I think it's pretty... Perez? Alonso? Are we saying Perez is cheating on his wife with again, with um, this time I, with Alonso's partner? I, what do you mean again? Did Alonso... Did Perez... Yeah, Perez... Is, I think I'm pretty sure there's a rumour that Perez cheated on his wife. Oh, right. We'll, we'll leave that for another pod, but yeah, I, I would just again going on about the fact, I just like when they're quite personal oh you know what i actually saw did you see alonzo's tweet talking about how good a drive it was from hamilton yeah i tried that to make was, it do a mistake that was um 
it's unexpected how well the, these two are getting along. No, but it's, it's just her. weird because then one of them will say something slightly off and the other one will get, like, pissy about it and then the whole drama... I mean, you say that. It didn't even take them saying something in years past for them to, to hate each other. I mean, not hate each other, but they've had a rivalry. Uh, and they've really not seemed to eye-to-eye at all for their entire careers, um, which is probably a result of 2007 and the whole rivalry there. But... Um, yeah, I thought it was just quite wholesome how they were, you know, they were shaking hands on the podium. They all seemed to be smiles. They were chatting away in the cool down room. I don't, I don't get what's happened behind the scenes there over the summer break to, to change their dynamic so much. Even in Spa last year, you know, Alonso's yeah, comments about Hamlin and stuff. It was something's flipped there. Now this was episode three on the Albert Park Australian Grand Prix. Podcasts available on Spotify, Apple Music, and every other major provider. Cheers for listening. Yeah, see you next week.